to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Good morning, Humanity Church. It's good to see you all here. Uh, Let's pause this morning and let's pray as we jump into our conversation together. Jesus, we thank you for this space, this moment that we get to be in together. I ask that you would, um, we know that you're present, but we ask that we would be aware of your presence and that there would be an infusing of your heart with our heart today as we examine what it means to be people of the way and to follow that wholeheartedly with everything inside of us. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, it's hard to believe that there was a time where GPSs didn't exist. I know, you, I know a lot of you in the room will remember that, and this may seem so long ago that you forgot about that, but before we had GPS, there was this thing called MapQuest. Anyone remember that? Where you'd have to go online, and you'd type in your address, and then the address where you were going, and you'd print out the thing, and then you'd follow the directions from there. And, and before MapQuest, there was this thing called Thomas Guide that I barely remember, but I, I do remember with my dad at times when we would be lost, he would say, pull out the Thomas Guide, and he'd pull out this giant book, and you'd, you'd find in the back where the address was, and it would say page 251, square G2, and you would find that there and then you'd be able to find your way around that and, and before that I don't know what there was like compasses and stars and, and, and mountains and Sherpas and things like that but the beautiful thing about maps is that they help us make sense of the world around us. They, they're useful in navigating big questions like where am I? Where do I want to go and how do I get there? And thank God we have tools that allow us to navigate through our world like that. Now, here's the thing. As humans, we certainly operate with physical maps, but we don't only operate with physical maps. We also have emotional and spiritual and relational maps that we use all the time to inform us of the world around us. They're a little different, but, but they have the same purpose, and that is to help us navigate through life to figure out where we're going. We are, we are always, always navigating through life, much like Lewis and Clark, who found themselves navigating through mountains and rivers and oceans and lakes and charting out uncharted territory. We as human beings are doing the same thing, but we are engaging maps of meaning and purpose and relationships and wisdom and trying to make sense of the world around us as we engage it. These are the stories that we develop as we grow older of what is true and what is not true, around what is good and not good, around what is right and what is, what is wrong. And the experiences that we have in life, we're always making meaning of them. This happened to me, therefore I am this type of person. I experienced this, therefore this is available to me or this is not available to me over here. And these maps, they help us make sense of the world. And we do this all the time with ourselves, with others, with God. In fact, let's just do a little exercise together. I want you to think about you and how you think about yourself. And I'd like for you to come up with 
three adjectives, three descriptors of you that are not physical. So not I'm tall or skinny or fat or ugly or beautiful. Not those things. Things like I'm powerful or I'm shy or I'm relational or I'm quiet or I am a people person or I like to be alone. Whatever that may be. I just want you to come up in your head with three descriptions that you have of yourself. Now I'm going to ask someone to be brave in a moment. Who would be willing to have a conversation with me about your three descriptions? Anyone in the room? Who'd be willing just to, Marla has a mic, we're just going to hop on a mic and have a conversation real fast. Who would be willing to share out loud your three descriptions? All right, right here. Thank you. Appreciate it. So tell me, tell me your three adjectives. It's on. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So tell me your three adjectives um, when you think about yourself. Intentional. Intentional. Stubborn. Stubborn. And loving. Loving. Awesome intentional, stubborn, and loving. Now, you could probably find all kinds of evidence to prove those adjectives right, right? Like, I'm very intentional, I'm very stubborn, and I'm very loving, right? Now, let me ask you this. Are there areas or times in your life where you're unintentional? Yes. Okay, so you could find all kinds of evidence to prove that right as well, yes? Yes. Yes, all right. Now, you said stubborn, right? Lots of evidence to prove your stubbornness, right? And are there other areas in your life where you're really easygoing? Where you're like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not going to fight for this. Is that, would it's you? It's rare. But yeah, yes. rare. But that you could also find evidence for that story, right? And loving. I, I have experienced a lot of love from you. Would you also say that there are areas in your life where you can find evidence where I am not loving? Yes. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Let's give her a big round of applause. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Both of those stories are true of her at times in life, yes? And even the adjectives that you came up with, those are one map that you see yourself through. They're a lens that you see yourself through, whether it's intentional, loving, or stubborn, or whatever it is for you. But my guess is that we could do the exact same thing with you and look at the opposite of all of those words and say, oh, this is equally true of me. I could find all kinds of evidence to prove this story right. The reality is, is that we just have a map for ourselves that we prefer to see ourselves through, that help us navigate who we are and how we're going to operate in the world around us. See, you cannot get out of this. You do this all the time. You are constantly making maps. This is who I am. Oh, here's a map of who other people are. Here's a map of reality. Here's what's possible and not possible in life for me. Now, here's the thing. That's not a problem. You may be thinking, oh no, how, how, am I seeing myself wrong? Am I seeing myself inaccurately? You can't get out of that. But here's the, where it becomes problematic at times is that we rarely pause to examine our maps, to ask ourselves, is this true? Is there something that may be more true? Is there something that may be more accurate than how I see myself and the world around us? See, see, you cannot get out a Thomas Guide from 1983 and pull it out and navigate through the world today. Because things have changed. Things have transformed. The world around us has shifted. And so when we're operating on old maps, we find ourselves oftentimes lost. Now, if you're lost, just hang in there. This will make sense in just a minute. I know we're getting into a large philosophical conversation uh, around life. But here's the thing. How many of you have ever experienced this? How many of you have ever changed in life? You've gone through the hard work of changing something about yourself, about your perspective, about how you see yourself, and other people have not updated their map with you, and they're still operating on the same old maps. When you have 
already updated who you are. And so when they see you, they still see you as this old person over here, that you're the person who's unreliable, or you're the person who's not going to get along, or you're the person who believes this or does this. And the whole time you're like, I've upgraded. I've transformed. And the problem is that they will never able be able to be able to see that transformation because they're operating on old maps. We do the same thing with life, is that we go through life engaging maps of reality that we rarely ask the question, is this still useful? In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 9, it, it says this about us. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood behind me. For now, we, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, here's the thing. What, what Paul's telling us in this passage is that we only get part of the map of reality right now. That we only get to see a, a small part of it. That, that no one's spiritual, emotional, relational map of reality is complete. In other words, we, we never get the full reality right in front of us. Have you ever been in a breakdown with someone and you say, this is what you said and did? And the other person's saying, no, that's not what I said and did. And then they give a whole other version of what happened. And you're like, were we in the same room? Because we're, we're looking at the exact same situation from different maps. We don't see it completely. Which is why when Marla tells me, no, 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 that's not what you said or that's not what you did. I, I have trained myself to go, okay, I know I don't see it that way. And I'm pretty convinced I did say that and I didn't say that and I did do this, but I see through a mirror dimly in this space. And so the reality is, is that, that we don't actually get the full story of who God is, about who others are, about who we are. Now, with this reality, it's really popular then to make doubt a very high virtue. If I can't know everything, then, then doubt becomes the space that I should engage in. Because if I can't know it all, then I should doubt everything that I find myself in. And, and we are called at times to be people of doubt by people in society around us, to doubt what we know to be true. And it's interesting because when we find ourselves that we can be certain of nothing, you're immediately certain of something. I've noticed that the people who, who talk the most about doubt being virtuous are absolutely certain that doubt is a virtue. In fact, there's no doubt that doubt is a virtue for them. <laughs> and so they find themselves in circular reasoning with this. But we are not called, at least by Jesus, to be people of doubt. We are called to be people of faith, which is a very different come from in the scriptures. It's not that you can't doubt. Doubt's a natural human space that we find ourselves in. It's just a really bad destination. It's more of like a great place to pass through. See, because what doubt says is, hey, I only get a reflection dimly. I only get part of the story, so I can't be certain of anything. What faith says is, yeah, I only get part of the picture, so what I do know, I'm going to put all of my trust into that, and I will keep pursuing truth until I get more pieces of the picture, until I can start seeing more accurately God and myself and people around me. See, because we only see part of the picture doesn't mean that we get to throw everything out the window. It means that we get to pursue the parts that we are unaware of in this space. See, we may see as only in a dim reflection, but we have the dim reflection. So we go with what we know. 
And so Jesus comes to this passage that we've been talking about in John 14, chapter six, and he gives us these words about him and about reality around us. And he says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and we have seen him. See, Jesus says, I am the way. And we talked about that last week. If you missed it, check it on the podcast. But it's fascinating to me that he immediately follows up, I am the way, with I am the truth. Of all the things that he could have picked to go alongside of that powerful statement, I am the way, he chooses that the most important thing that he could communicate to us after I am the way is that I am the truth. Which lets me know that following the way and following the truth are actually inseparable from one another. That they are intimately connected with one another. Now, I I know in our culture, it's also arrogant to say, I know the truth. It seems, it seems uh, narcissistic to say, I know the truth. But I'm going to actually invite you to consider that we all have a truth that we believe in. In the same way that we can't get away from creating maps and making meaning for our relationships and who we are and who God is, we can't get away from living in some type of truth. Uh, I was having a conversation just a few months ago with someone who was arguing this with me. And they said, you know, the fact of the matter is, is we can never know the truth. And I said, do you think that's true? And they said, absolutely. I said, got it, clear. Because we all operate on some truth and the reality around us. So when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, he is not inviting us into some nebulous way to follow. He's not saying, look, whatever feels good, just follow that way. He's not saying, whatever you think is gonna get you to the Father, follow that way. He's not saying whatever looks good in the moment or whatever tastes good or whatever is going to bring you the most comfort in that moment, whatever gets instant results, that is the way. No, he is saying, I am the way, but I'm also the truth. And here's the thing is that the way combined with the truth creates a new map for reality. It creates a map for us to go, oh, now I know the way and I also have the truth. And so in that space, it creates a map for us to navigate the world around us. So when Jesus says, I am the way and I am the truth, what he is saying to us is I am interested in upgrading your maps of reality, of how you see yourself, of how you see others, of how you see God, so that you can actually find life and find the Father. If you're interested in those destinations at all, If you're interested in stepping into life, if you're interested in stepping into a relationship with God himself, I am going to hand you the map right in front of you. In the same way that every now and then your Google Maps on your phones updates and lets you know, oh, there's a new freeway here, or this road's out, or or, these things are, are not where they used to be. Jesus comes and he says, look, humanity has been operating on all kinds of maps. And some of them get you real close to where you're wanting to go, and some of them are outright destructive. But I would love to give you the way and the truth, this new map for reality, a new way of seeing what's in front of you. Do you guys remember those, like, magic eye posters from the 90s? Where where it looked like cable static, and it was all kinds of different colors, and, and you were supposed to look at them a certain way and cross your eyes and, you know, blink twice and pull the book away, and all of a sudden there was, like, a dinosaur or a rabbit or something. You guys remember that, right? Okay, just checking in. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw one. It had to have been like 1989, and I was at this conference, and my dad was speaking somewhere, and I went back to this pastor's office. He had a big poster on his wall, and he said, I gotta show you this. It was like the, the newest technology that humanity had ever seen. 
And I remember sitting at this poster for hours as this conference was going on as a, as a young kid going, what are we looking at? All these adults would come there and, and they'd do the thing, you know, stick your nose on the poster and pull back and keep your eyes crossed. Oh, I see it, right? And I remember sitting there for hours and hours and hours going, what are these people looking at? I cannot see this. And I remember finally when, when, when I did the thing, I put my nose right up to the glass and I'm like, all right, cross your eyes and pull backwards. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, right? There was this beautiful picture of a dinosaur on this pastor's wall. And I could see things that I hadn't seen before because I was looking at it through a different lens. I was looking at it through a new way. And see, when Jesus comes and he says, I am the way and the truth, I'm, I'm handing you this new map for reality, suddenly you're able to see things in life that you hadn't seen before. You're able to see pathways and possibilities and new openings that were not there a second ago. Not because they weren't there, but because your map's been updated and now you can see them. You can see the way and the truth and the life right there in front of you. In, in my estimation, words are one of our most powerful elements that we have our, at our disposal. Gandalf from Harry Potter would say the same thing. Just joking. Uh, some of you, that's heresy. Uh, but in many ways, God, but here's the thing. God speaks words and he creates with them. This is what we see in the beginning of the scriptures. And, and we, because we're made in the image of God, have the exact same ability to speak out and create things around us. Every single relationship that you have is either built or destroyed on the words that you use. Nothing else builds or destroys relationships faster than the language that we either use or choose not to use. What we either give or choose not to give. You could probably look back on your life and remember distinct conversations, phrases, words that were spoken over you that shifted the trajectory of your future. I talk to so many people who, who tell me stories of being bullied as, as a fourth grader and remembering things that were spoken to them as a fourth grader by other fourth graders. And as an adult, you look back at that and say, that's silly, and yet you can see, oh, that changed the entire trajectory of my life and how I see myself, and how I operate in the world around me, and how I engage myself. Words transform ideas and concepts into reality. They have such power, so it would make sense that God, when he reveals himself through Jesus, and Jesus says, I am the way and the truth to life and to the Father, that he would give us words as the map for reality that he would hand us a set of words that would be our guide to make sense of the world around us, of God and ourselves, every single place we go. And we have this collection of words in the scripture that act as a map for reality around us. This beautiful map that's laid out for us to engage life and engage God with. And see, I actually believe that the scriptures operate best when we use them like a map for reality. That, that we trade in our old maps and take on these new maps that inform us of how to navigate life around us. See, see, a lot of people look at the scriptures in the same way that they look at Jesus, and that is God attempting to force some type of religious rule on us. That God's attempting to oppress us by telling us what to do and how to act and what not to do and how not to act and how you're supposed to say and who you're supposed to have sex with and who you're not and who you're supposed to marry and who you're not and what you're supposed to buy and how you're supposed to... And 
We see it as this oppressive system that's on us, and it's easy to do that, but I guarantee you that that is not the intention of both the scriptures or Jesus. See, I actually love how how David in the scriptures relates to the word of God and how he relates to these words that are given to us like a map. He says this in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, so persevere my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise from my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. See, I love David's heart and how he relates to knowing the word of God. See, because when David talks about the words of God, he's not talking about them like some rules that he's kept, so now he's a good person. He's not talking about the scriptures like, oh God, I've obeyed everything, and so will you now accept me because I've read the book and I've done all the things and now I'm an okay person in here. David says, your word illuminates the path that I am walking on. In other words, oh, I can see reality now. I can see the paths in front of me. I can tell where I'm going. I know exactly where I'm supposed to be headed. I know where I am headed. And it is this illumination of reality that leads to joy. That when we can see the path in front of us, it brings us life like we would have never imagined before. In case you haven't noticed, if you don't follow me on Instagram or listen to most of my talks, Marla and I go to Cancun a lot. In fact, we're going in three weeks, so I won't be here. I won't tell you when, but it's going to be a great weekend for us. And uh, here's the thing. I'm often insecure about talking about this because here's what I know is that in our culture, pastors aren't supposed to do nice things because it means that they're like embezzling money somehow. And so I often am very like insecure about talking about these things because I often get comments like, oh, it must be good tithing at the church now, right? And, uh, And I thought I would just set the record straight this morning with this. So in 2020, when Marla and I were in Cancun, we had saved up for this family vacation for like two years, and we went there, and we're there with the family. It was super cheap because of the pandemic, and so we're there, and we got invited to this presentation. Ever been on vacation and got invited to a presentation? I was super skeptical, but I was like, we're here. Let's do the presentation, right? So we do the presentation, and they explain to us, this is not a timeshare, which it wasn't, and then they start this letting us know about this membership that's available at this resort that we've been to twice on our honeymoon and this other time. And as this person's talking, I start asking all these questions. And I could tell that the sales guy was not used to someone asking all these questions. Most people get in there and they get liquored up and then they're like, yeah, sign on the bottom line. I'm just asking every question possible. I am down to the, like every little red line detail of this. And even when they get the contract to me, I'm like, no, 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 let me look at this. And, and here's the thing. As I started asking a question, I started looking at this contract. I started seeing this pathway forward to go to Cancun for free. And I thought, okay. I see how this is set up. And then I realized, oh, not only can we go for free, but all of our friends can go like super cheap 
if we work this system well. And so people around us can get, go on really awesome vacations, and that makes me more excited even than us going for free. And so I found this pathway within the contract, and I said, yes, let's sign on the dotted line. So I signed on the dotted line, and, and when we got the contract back, I poured over every line in that thing. If you know me, I'm a little obsessive when it comes to research. So, I mean, I spent days just researching this contract. I have Excel sheets. I have notes on my phone about this contract. I know every clause. I know every exception. I know exactly where it says subject to change on there. I know exactly what that thing spells out. And so we have been able to allow multiple people in our lives to go on vacation for super cheap. And then Marla and I get to go for free often. And so this is how we're able to get there so often because here's the thing, I unlocked the matrix. (laughs) In fact, last time we were there, they invited us back to a presentation and I said, yeah, let's do this, right? (laughs) Because I'm actually every salesman's worst nightmare. And so we sit down and the salesman sits us down and two other salesmen sit down with us. And they say, we want to know how you figured out the contract. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you've had like 26 friends come with you to Cancun, all really cheap, and you've been here like eight times at no cost. How did you figure this out? And I said, it's simple. I read the contract. (laughs) Not only that, I studied the contract. And I have Excel sheets and notes and all kinds of stuff that you could never imagine. In fact, he sits me down and he tries to sell me stuff that's already in the contract. And I'm like, that's on page two, clause 11. We already have that, buddy. Could you give me something new? And I walked out of there going, oh, I feel really good about myself because I figured out the map to make this thing work and how we're going to maneuver through it. Because when you know something and understand how to maneuver through it, everything transforms. See, because they were betting that people would get this contract and not read it. They were betting that people would pay for something and then they would have no idea how to operate through it. See, Jesus is actually opposite of the sales guys here. Jesus is actually saying, I am openly over here attempting to give you the way and the truth and the life, the way to the Father. And it's actually really easy, it's me. I am freely giving you this map for reality, this contract that will inform you of how to operate not only within this life, but within the next life and how to live in a space of freedom. Because here's the thing, when you fully engage the truth and adopt his map for reality found in the scriptures, it unlocks joy and freedom. You will find yourself going places and doing things in your life that you would never have been thought possible before. You're like, wow, I have figured out the key to this life. I figured out how it works. And now I am able to freely maneuver through this life. And this is how David related to the scriptures because he knew this important reality that truth is truth because it works 100% of the time. That's what makes truth, truth. If it doesn't work 100% of the time, it's a nice suggestion. But when Jesus says, look, I am not only the way, but I am the truth. What he's saying is this will work 100% of the time. And when David says, I delight in your commands, teach me every single one of your precepts. I want to know every single way to follow you because I have found joy in these. They are a light to my path. What he is not saying is I have found the religion. He's saying I have the map and it makes sense to me. I figured out how to go to Cancun for free. And 
When we find ourselves there, it transforms how we relate. Now, this does not mean that everything will turn out perfect. This does not mean that life will turn out the way that you want it to. This does not mean that everything will go your way. But what it does mean is that when things don't go your way, you have a map to the Father. You have a map back to life. That no matter where you find yourself, you have the GPS informing you of how to get back to life, of how to get back to the Father. And this is the beautiful thing that Jesus invites you into. It's the beauty of living your life by the word of God so that you don't have to guess your way through life. You don't have to assume your way through life. And you certainly don't have to operate on what feels good in the moment to get you to whatever destination you hope that you can get to. Because he says, I am the way and the truth. I'm the map. And when you follow me, you have the way to life. See, either Jesus is a liar or this is how life works. I, I was in Tennessee last year speaking with a group of people and I, I met up with an old friend that I hadn't seen in a while and we were talking and he was sharing that, that he was struggling with some depression. And I was like, hey, tell me, about, tell me about your life. Tell me what you're up to. What are you doing? Let's talk through some of this. And, and he said, you know, it's so interesting. I, I, I watch you on Instagram and you're, you travel places and you're doing things and you're in your community. And he said, at night, I get on my phone and I go on Apple Maps and I imagine places that I want to go. And I just start scrolling through Apple Maps and I, I, I zoom in and I look at cafes and I look at different places and I imagine these vacations that I'd go on. Or I imagine these trips that I would take. Or I imagine these, these destinations that I would love to visit someday. And he said, sometimes I'll spend two hours planning out a whole trip on Apple Maps. I'll get on the street view and, and walk down streets and see all the pictures of the places that I'd like to go. And he said, strangely enough, I just get more depressed the more that I do this. The more that I, I look at the map and think, man, this would be a great, great destination to go to, the more depressed I became. And I, and I said, where would you like to go, man? I said, I'd love to go to Paris. I said, let's go. Let's go. I will go with you. I'll figure out a way to fund it. Let's go. Like you and I could go for a week. I've never been to Paris. I would love to go to Paris. Let's go to Paris. And he, he said, ah, just not ready for that yet. And I said, look, when you're ready to go to Paris, Call me up and let's go. Because here's the thing. A map will only bring you joy when you use it to move in life. The map will only bring you delight when you use it to get to a destination. See, I think a lot of us relate to the scriptures like my friend relates to these maps at night. We like the idea of truth. We'll even sit and study it and say, wow, Look how good this is. That sounds like a nice idea to forgive, to be generous, to, to engage life through this lens of what brings hope and what brings despair, to, to train my life and harness it in a way that I release beauty and I take chaos and transform it into something that's really, really profound. And we'll study and we'll look at it and we'll say, that's a really, really nice idea. And sometimes we'll even agree with it. And then we never buy the ticket. We never say, let's go. Let's, let's start using this map of reality 
See, because the scriptures and the word of God only work when they're used as a pathway to God. They're really, really poor reading material. Otherwise, you're just looking at the map saying, I know how to get to Paris. We, we look at the truth saying, I, I've heard of the way to get to God. I've heard of this thing called freedom. I, I've heard of this destination called joy. I've heard of this destination called hope and meaning, but I don't know if I'm ready for it. See, because there's a big difference of studying how to get to Paris, and there's a big difference between waking up and having coffee at a little cafe overlooking the Eiffel Tower. And this is the difference that that Jesus invites us into between engaging the scriptures as a nice idea and engaging the scriptures as the map for reality. There's a difference between studying the scriptures and living a life infused by the presence of God because the scriptures became the destination. It is a dangerous thing to fall in love with the scriptures and never end up following them into the presence of God. And sometimes the truth can become the most dangerous thing when you're unwilling to follow it. A map is given so that you can freely move. It's not given to control you. It's given to point the destination to life. And here's the thing, is that the more you begin following the map, the more that you begin engaging this framework that Jesus lays out for how we are to view ourselves and how we are to view others and how we are to view life, the more your life expands. Your your life doesn't get smaller when you put on the framework of how God created the universe. It doesn't actually restrict what you can and can't do or what you should or shouldn't do. It it actually lets you know the doorways that lead to life and the doorways that lead to death. It informs you that when you engage these practices, it will move your life towards wholeness. And when you engage these, it will move your life towards destruction. See, when, when you begin living your life by the maps of reality that the word of God gives us, it opens up possibilities. It does not close them down. Two weekends ago, I was spending some time with a friend of mine who's a jazz musician, really great jazz musician. He's, he plays guitar, keyboards, sings, and, and I was talking to him about jazz, and I, and I was just telling, I was asking him, like, man, when I've seen you on stage, you are just, like, amazing. You're just, like, freely doing your thing. I, I'm like, I would be a nervous wreck up there if I were you. I would be so anxious. I would tense up, and you're just, like, doing your thing, and you make it look so easy, and I asked him, because I'm always, I'm always interested in, in when people have, have some genius of, of how they got there. And I asked him, how do, how do you get to that space? Do you just practice jazz all day long? And he said, no, I just play the scales over and over and over again. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I just play the scales. Over and over again. Every single key. And I just keep playing the scales keep playing the scales over and over and over. Sometimes I'll just practice the scales for hours so that when I get on stage, I know the scales so well that I can improvise without even thinking. That my hands just move so freely because I know the scales, the scales are like second nature. See, when we are people of the way and people of the truth and we practice the truth over and over and over again, when we just give ourselves to what is true and what is right and what is noble and what is beautiful and what is honorable, I'm gonna give myself to that and I'm just gonna keep practicing that. I'm just gonna keep at it. 
I'm gonna keep forgiving even when it seems like that's a stupid thing to do. I'm gonna keep loving even when everything inside of me says to protect myself and to live in fear. I'm gonna keep living by faith when everything inside of me is afraid to keep moving and to keep going forward and to keep trusting that God will show up time after time again. I will choose to speak hope because I know that is true. And I will speak hope in every situation that I find myself in. I will pray continuously. I will give generously of my time and my resources and my energy, even when everything inside of me says I don't have enough and life should be filled with scarcity and I don't know how to see it. I am going to engage these ways of living. And then when life gets difficult, I'm going to keep going. Because eventually, following the way and living by the truth will become like second nature. Because not only do you have the map, but you've been walking the map. You've been walking the trails. You've been engaging the rivers. You've been finding the mountains. And and when life gets difficult, it'll be like second nature and you can improvise. And when life gets beautiful, it'll be like second nature and you can improvise. You'll become obsessed with knowing the truth because it's the truth that sets you free. And when I talk about knowing, I'm not talking about like a good idea. I'm talking about like, I know the way to life and to the Father. Day and night, it will be on your lips, crossing your mind constantly, not because it's what you're supposed to do, because it is what brings you to joy. It is what brings you to freedom. That you will find yourself able to navigate through relationships, through crises, through ups, through downs, with freedom, because you know the way and you know the truth and you've found the way to the Father. See, my prayer is not that we would just be people of the way, but that we would also be people of the truth. And we would recognize that those go hand in hand, creating a beautiful map for reality that allows us to navigate every circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in. My longing is that we might be able to say like David, your word illuminates my path and is a light to my feet. Your statutes, they are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. And my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. That we might be people of the way and people of the word who hold on to this map of reality and follow it straight into the heart of God and experience the freedom that he is longing to unleash within you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are the way and I thank you that you are the truth and that you have handed us this map for reality of how things work. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us the the courage and the fortitude and the strength and the patience to to engage this, that as we start following your word and your ways, that there would be so much joy because we've learned how to unlock this matrix of life. That we've learned how to find freedom and hope and redemption, not something that we stumble upon, but because we've heard your voice and we followed your word And we've stepped into that freedom. And if you're here today and you have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe this is something brand new to you and you're like, man, I feel like I'm just fumbling my way through life. And you would love a map for reality that I guarantee you will replace 
anything that you have and move you towards freedom and joy in life. This is your moment to connect to him. In fact, if that's you this morning, if you're like, man, I, I wanna connect to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just look up at me? Just so you don't have to even have to raise your hand, just so I know that's you. Awesome, all over the room. If you're online, you can just type in the comment section, Jesus, we'll know what you're talking about. I want you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer is not magic words. It's just you connecting to Jesus and declaring that you're all in. You're like, hey, I would love to take on your map for reality and I would love to follow your ways. So I'd love you just to pray this prayer with me, you connecting to God. It's just you talking to him. You can just say, dear Jesus, I know that I am broken and that my maps don't work. And I know that you came and you died for me and you came back to life so that I could fully live. And so I make you Lord. I take on your map for reality and I will follow you with everything inside of me. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.